This episode of Bankless is brought to you by Yearn. Yearn is a yield farming money robot to do the yield farming in DeFi so you don't have to. Yearn has various products like Vaults or Earn where in Vaults you can deposit your preferred DeFi token and DeFi experts have written strategies for this token that you deposit to go and find the yield automatically in DeFi. Earn is that same thing, but with stable coins, where this, the Earn system will move your stable coins around from protocol to protocol to seek yield from whatever DeFi protocol is offering the most amount of yield at that particular time. Check them out at yearn.finance. A fantastic tool to help you live a bankless life comes from Monolith. Monolith is a smart contract wallet on Ethereum, but it comes linked with a Visa crypto card that links right into the DAI in your smart contract wallet. So it's really spanning both worlds using smart contract wallets on Ethereum and also a Visa card to purchase groceries or live your life. And so it's a great way to live a bankless life without having to you know, give up all the normal things that you would need to purchase to live that life. Check them out at monolith.xyz and get your Monolith Visa card sent to you today. Zapper is a tool I've been using to help me track my portfolio and all of my wallets across DeFi. You can plug in your addresses into the zapper.fi dashboard and Zapper will give you a report as to all of the assets that you own and where you've placed them in DeFi. You can also invest right through the Zapper portal. So if you just don't want to go to all the different URLs for all of your favorite preferred DeFi protocols in order to stick your assets inside of them, you can just go to zapper.fi and click on where you want your assets to go. You can also add multiple wallets in case you use multiple wallets and you can add them all into one seamless portfolio view by adding multiple wallets in Zapper. Check them out at zapper.fi. Unstoppable Domains is where we get human readable blockchain domain names that are also completely censorship resistant. One of the really important features about uh, Unstoppable Domains is that you can set up a website that has a domain that the, any nation state cannot take down. Really important for being a self-sovereign individual in this world. Additionally, what's also insanely cool about Unstoppable Domains is that Bitcoiners or any other blockchain can use Unstoppable Domains to make their Bitcoin address human readable, right? So no longer is this just technology built on Ethereum. Now Unstoppable Domains brings this to all other blockchains. So you can tell your Bitcoiner friend to send you money to davidhoffman.eth or you know yournamehere.crypto. Check them out at unstoppabledomains.com. Alright, welcome everyone to the weekly roll-up. This is our second weekly roll-up. David, I'm super excited. This is the third roll-up of October. Happy Friday morning to you guys who are looking on YouTube, watching us on YouTube, and also on the live stream. David, how are you doing? Absolutely fantastic. Ready to run through some of the news that's happened in the last week, injecting it straight into your brain in a nice little package all rolled up for you. Perfect. Yeah, that's exactly what we're doing in this segment. Comes out Friday morning hot. And what we do is we dedicate five minutes to five topics. We cover the market, number one, releases, news, takes, and then we end with what we are excited about and what's happening in general. So five topics, five minutes each. We get it in your head in 25 minutes. The schedule is every Friday. So every Friday morning, both on YouTube, where you can see the visuals that accompany this, and also the podcast. David. You ready to get started, man? Let's let's round them up. We're rolling it up. <laughs> All right. We're doing it. Round them up and roll them up. We are starting with the market. What is the market 
saying. I feel like it might be good things, David. Shall we start with Bitcoin? We have five minutes. Yeah, the market is saying we're going up and to the right. At the time of speaking, Bitcoin is $13,200, which, you know, is a higher number than what it was last week. Uh, And this has just been on the heels of a bunch of bullish news, some of which we will talk about, and some of which is just like a, a lot of people in the legacy world really seem to be figuring out Bitcoin, right? This is a hammer I've been beating or a drum I've been beating for a while. People are learning how to resonate with Bitcoin's value proposition and understanding Bitcoin as a whole is bullish for Bitcoin. Yeah, this is a move that is actually highest year to date as well. So we're highest year to date uh, for Bitcoin. Pretty impressive. And it felt like, you know, sometimes people ask about price move, like why, why did it happen? And often when I'm asked that, I'm just like, I have no idea. It's right. crypt- it's crypto. It's sort of a random rock, but well, random walk. But this uh, felt like it was um, maybe uh, pre- precipitated by some news, particularly the PayPal news, which I know we're going to get to in a moment. Is that your take as well? Yeah, it is, but also no. Um, PayPal is the news of the week, but Bitcoin's bullish for for news other than that, right? There's plenty of other reasons to be bullish. Uh, and I, I think that PayPal is, you know, is, there's a lot of attention in the media. It's, it's extremely validating and it's definitely relevant, but, you know, we were going to get to this point, you know, at some point sooner or later, it's just pay with the PayPal news just made that happen sooner. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Let's talk about ETH chart too. So ETH is also having a fairly good week. We're at 417. What's your take on ETH price? Yeah, the, the Twitter and market commentaries from people have, have been really interesting. As DeFi assets and yield farming has kind of deflated, uh, the narrative was that you know DeFi assets are rotating into Bitcoin. And as DeFi assets went down, Bitcoin was going up. And this and this recent move by Ether from like just 390 to 417, where it is today, is a really strong uh, return punch to, to Bitcoin if we are thinking about things in an adversarial way, which we don't necessarily have to. However, when it comes to leading the market, it looks like people were getting ready for Bitcoin to lead the market. But Ether is hot on its heels, if not keeping up or, and even going faster. All right, so 417, of course, this is as of Thursday. Things could change by Friday morning when you are listening to this a little bit. But let's talk about some other metrics that are a bit more, I guess, constant, less fleeting. And that is uh, Ethereum is actually seeing an all-time high in active addresses. So we've talked about before, David, each active address roughly corresponds to not necessarily a user, but to like a bank account. An ETH mm-hmm. address is you know, similar to a bank account. So it could represent a, lar- a large number of users, large number of capital pools, um, what does this mean? Total uh, active addresses at all-time high for Ethereum, higher than 2017. Yeah, this is a really timely piece of news to come out right on the heels of MetaMask's 1 million monthly active users that they that they uh, registered. Uh, check out the State of the Nation that we did with Jacob Cantel earlier this week for more news on that. But it just seems to be that like people are learning to use Ethereum. There are reasons to get onto Ethereum. And, you know, like, like you said, one act, one active address is not necessarily like, you know, it could be uh, the same owner as another active address, but it does, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Like all time high in active addresses is all time high in active addresses. When we look at Ethereum and when we look at its fundamentals, we look at its uh, economic activity and active addresses are economic activity. Another indicator of economic activity is the amount of value that the network settles. So these are financial networks. Bitcoin is a financial network. It primarily just settles uh, Bitcoin. So value denominated Bitcoin 
Ethereum can settle value denominated in Ether, but also value denominated in other assets as well. And if you convert all the settlement value to dollars, what you get is a pretty impressive uh, pace for Ethereum. So Ethereum is on pace to settle over $1 trillion worth of value in 2020. That's pretty phenomenal. And it's overtaken Bitcoin in this by a lot. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So like its run rate is beating Bitcoin. What does that mean? Yeah, that, that's exactly what Ethereum is supposed to do. It's supposed to be a host of generalized economic activity. Where, where Bitcoin is really good at settling Bitcoins, Ethereum is really good at settling everything else. Uh, and I'm not really sure that like, you know, there's a lot of news about crypto, but it's mainly Bitcoin in mainstream. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure that like people are learning about Ethereum's capabilities quite yet. And when that, that wave of people comes, when PayPal leverages stable coins or crypto dollars, not just Bitcoin and ETH in, on their platforms, as like remittance payments and Cash App also integrate stable coins. Like we, there's so much more adoption to be had with like uh, leveraging Ethereum's economic activity as a platform. That, and the fact that we're already ahead of Bitcoin is, is insane. I can't imagine where we're going to be when all these companies integrate stable coins. Yeah, Bitcoin is in second place in terms of the value it settles on its network. Pretty impressive for Ethereum. Total value locked. We'll just look at this briefly because we've got to move on. Mm -hmm. um, it's up 12.4 billion locked in DeFi protocols. The amount of ETH locked is a little bit down, but still we're tracking at about 9 million Ether mm -hmm. supply locked in DeFi. So super impressive. David, let's jump to um, releases. Section thought. Yeah, section two. So we got five minutes for this. What got released last week? Well, obviously the big news is that PayPal is now open to cryptocurrencies, which there's a, there's a lot of takes to be had here. First off, there's the very obvious take that this is awesome and bullish and yay adoption. <laughs> and that's exactly what the markets are saying. Uh, you can now, if you are a merchant that uses PayPal, your customers can pay you in Bitcoin or in Ether, right? We just had a comment from a Bankless Nation member in the Bankless Discord that talked about how grateful he was that he was able to purchase like the Bankless uh, the newsletter with crypto, right? Because if he didn't have that option, he wouldn't have any other option to purchase it, right? And what PayPal is doing with crypto is it's uh, allowing, uh, you know, un unbanked people to use their Ethereum bank account, to use their ba uh, Bitcoin bank account to pay for things inside of the pay uh, PayPal network, which is, I mean, that's just really exciting. And it's also extremely legitimizing of, of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies at large. I think you're about to give maybe a, a downside take yeah. as well, because that exists as well. So we get adoption. That's a plus. Mm -hmm. Also, I saw 2021, they're talking about rolling it out in Venmo. Everybody I knew, I know, at least in my area, they like they use Venmo all of the time. So this is definitely adoption of, it's not just Bitcoin, it's Bitcoin, Ether, and some mm -hmm. other uh, crypto assets as Litecoin. well, like Litecoin, <laughs> Bitcoin Cash, who cares? But um, that's pretty bullish, but there is a flip side to this mm. in that, what, it's not bankless, right? Yeah, it's a walled garden, right? And so uh, there's also a philosophical question to have here because like you, you, you can't purchase uh, Bitcoin or Ether with PayPal yet, but like even if they can, they don't let you send your received crypto as a merchant or as a customer. They don't let you send your received crypto to your own external wallet, right? And this is exactly what Jake Shervinsky was talking about forever ago when he was on the Bankless State of the Nation is that what he is worried about is that regulation is going to put up walled gardens around these entities that can leverage crypto, leverage Bitcoin, leverage Ethereum 
in their own like centralized way, right? And so uh, they have their own internal ledgers, just like Coinbase has their own internal ledgers. But think about Coinbase, except it doesn't let you withdraw your crypto, right? And so you can only send Bitcoin to other PayPal accounts, which is just like the same system that we already have, right? And so, you know, tip of the hat for PayPal for getting this out the door. And I hope they continue to break down those walled gardens. I know that they need to be careful when they put their foot, their foot out into some into the unknown with something like this. But if we want to, to like enable a bankless world, we need them to break down those world gardens and allow us to send Bitcoin and Ether out of their platform. All right. Well, I, I have a spicy take on this, but we'll save that for later. Uh, let's talk about other releases. The next is uh, BarnBridge. So what is BarnBridge? BarnBridge is a really interesting protocol that is uh, allowing the stratification of risk across different tranches, right? And so the way this basically works is that there are two or more parties that have different claims on yield from DeFi protocols, specifically with stablecoins, right? And so very, very simply, the way that this works is you can buy into the senior tranche and get locked in at like 5% uh, interest rate. And then you can get into the junior tranche, which is, is the tranche that fluctuates, right? So maybe the interest rate in a DeFi protocol fluctuates from 4% all the way to 9%. Well, if that, if that uh, interest rate fluctuation goes up to 9%, the senior tranche gets the, the bottom 5% and then the junior tranche gets like the, what, what's left, right? But it also pays in, in the instance where the interest rate got under, under the senior tranche rate at 5%, maybe it averaged out at 4%. The junior tranche rate actually pays 1% interest rate to the senior tranche. The important point is, is that it stratifies risk and it tokenizes it and separates it. And this is a very legacy money Lego that we now have available on Ethereum. Very cool. And I know DeFi Dad has a tactic, a tutorial you can use on Bankless YouTube to try that out. So check that out if you're looking to learn more. David, we're running a little short on time on releases, but I want to get to the Circle UBI concept. Mm -hmm. So uh, what is that? That launched this week as well, actually last late last week. And uh, people have been going crazy, at least in the DeFi sector. Lots of DMs like Verify Me on Circle. Uh, UBI, universal basic income is, of course, what UBI stands for. What is that? Yeah, so it's a combination of a decentralized identity system like a bright ID and a token that uh, it has credit, uh, is a credit system as well. I'm actually less familiar with the tokenomics, but it, it, it starts off as a, um, a decentralized identity system, which is why you saw people on Twitter saying, hey, will you verify me? Hey, will you verify me? Because the only way that decentralized identity works is by a network of interrelated people that can vouch for each other. And then you get, when you get uh, your three people to vouch for you, you get your first initial distribution of circle coin. Uh, but it's not like th these things aren't fungible because your circles are different from other people's circles. And I don't mm. know much more about it other than that, but your circles are valued dependent on your network of people. And they're not exactly the same value as, as what other people's circles are. I know the coin itself inflates at about a 7% issuance rate per year too. So the idea is to have some sort of community-based money. And the cool thing mm -hmm. about this is it was launched on XDAI, not on the main chain, right. which I hope hope we'll get back to. David, uh, we could also talk about Yield Protocol, which, which had a cool launch this week. Mm -hmm. MetaMask swaps, of course, we'll include links to those in the show notes. Lots of cool releases to keep up with. But let's get to uh, the news. What's happening in the news this week? Do you want to start with FinCEN? 
Yeah, FinCEN went after a Bitcoin mixing service. This was a centralized mixing service that allowed people to mix up their Bitcoins for privacy, right? Uh, this is very similar to Tornado Cash, except for the fact that it was done by a centralized company, not a protocol, right? And so this is exactly the same reason why uh, uh, BitMEX uh, was such a big deal, right? The same charge of violating the Bank Secrecy Act, like allowing and enabling a centralized entity, enabling people to launder money. This is what uh, the regulators really don't want. Uh, and this is also why we DeFi, because this is exactly what Tornado Cash does, but Tornado Cash is a protocol that you can't stop. And Coin and Ninja, or, or whoever these people are that, that got uh, snagged, uh, you know, were a centralized company. Yeah, so uh, it's a $60 million penalty against the Ouch. developer and owner of uh, Coin Ninja, Larry Dean Harmon. But I have to wonder, like, are they going to be coming? Um, are they are they going to be coming after the protocol devs with something like Tornado soon, or do you think uh, we're immune from that? I, I suppose that requires somebody like Jake to weigh in. It is concerning, though. It does feel like the uh, the nation state, the final boss, as we call it, is kind of peering its Waking eye up. over it's to what's happening in crypto. Mm -hmm. um, I guess we'll have to see how that emerges. Um, maybe let's jump to something good on the privacy front, which is shielded uh, Zcash transactions. That yes. hit a high recently, right? Yeah, so, yeah, an all-time high. And that's really important for privacy on Zcash because if you, if you have, the way Zcash works is there are two types of transactions. One is just a simple send, just like a Bitcoin transaction. And one is, is a shielded transaction, which has certain components of the transaction uh, hidden. And privacy, with the way Zcash works is these private transactions only work when there are other private transactions to hide amongst, right? You need to hide inside of a crowd of transactions. And what we are seeing with this all-time high in uh, shielded Zcash transactions is we are seeing high liquidity of privacy on Zcash. So Zcash is finally getting to the point where its product is maturing in a way that allows people to use it in a private manner. Yeah, I love Zcash. God bless Zcash. It does feel at some level that they're sort of a, um, a test net for mm -hmm. tech that could be built in Ethereum and even Bitcoin at some level. Like mm -hmm. I feel like this on a side chain or this incorporated into Aztec could be super bullish on the Ethereum main chain or in a uh, layer two. Um, either way, really cool that people are valuing shielded transactions. Um, let's talk about central bank digital currencies too. Rao Paul um, for Real Vision put out a really important thread on this and really essential thread on this basically saying, if you don't think central digital currencies are coming, you're totally missing the boat here. They mm -hmm. are coming. They're maybe starting in China. Uh, what, what's your take on this news? Yeah, this thread came hot on the heels of the IMF calling for a second Bretton Woods moment, which maybe just signals kind of what kind of situation the world economic status is in when we are calling for a revisitation of Bretton Woods. And for those that don't uh, know, Bretton Woods was when the world got together and decided to reorganize the entire monetary and financial system. So like big words. Uh, and, and, and they basically in that, in that meeting made uh, US dollars king. At that and that's where they, that's where U.S. dollar became king, right? Exactly, that's exactly right. 
Uh, and so what Raul Paul is saying is, is that, you know, what's going on behind the scenes with the, the world macro environment, whatever it is, it's pointing towards central bank digital currencies. And, you know, there, 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 there's an important nuance where, you know, central bank digital currencies are not crypto. They're not cryptocurrencies. They right. are a centralized ledger on a, with a digital format. Maybe it's a blockchain, but it's not a cryptocurrency. But what it, what it does is it opens up people's acceptance and understanding of the real thing, right? It's a gateway drug. Yeah, so it's kind of like the PayPal case, a little bit good and uh, a little bit bad, maybe a little bit good for usage. Raul Paul makes the point where in the end, this could cost uh, the US dollar, not in the short run, he's very bullish on that, but it could cost the US dollar its reserve currency status. Um, David, we're, we're getting close on time for news. Do you want to maybe end with the Coinbase report on what we're talking about the nation state? Um, mm -hmm. Coinbase released a transparency report that actually made, made clear um, which government agencies have been asking for further information mm -hmm. about individuals or about transactions. And what were some of your takeaways from that transparency report? Yeah, first and foremost, I would say that this is, while this is in the news cycle, this happened last week, this isn't that big of a deal. It's just something I think that people should keep an eye on. Like this is a thing that is a reality. Uh, Coinbase is a centralized company inside the US and if they need to give up information to authorities, they will do that, right? And so tip of the hat for Coinbase for being transparent about it and telling us how, what information requests are coming in. So, you know, just as a user, if you use Coinbase, just know that these requests happen. Uh, and it's one of those, it's definitely one of those things that you know if you're not doing anything wrong then this really isn't relevant to you but just know that your information could be requested 58 percent of all requests coming from the u.s the majority of those from the fbi the fbi is definitely watching what goes on in coinbase all right um david that's been the news takes mm -hmm. what's on your mind <laughs> and if people have been following me on twitter and on the on the bangladesh show they they've know they know what's been on my mind the dominant <laughs> for crypto and Bitcoin specifically have been falling faster and faster and faster. And this PayPal domino, the most recent one, is, is just the most recent one. And I bet you there's going to, I don't know what's going to happen next week, but I bet you it's going to be something. Uh, we have the election debate tonight. Maybe we're going to talk about relief. There's a stimulus coming along the way. It just seems like, and what, the thing that's on my mind is that there's, there always seems to be like this elegant relationship between like the price chart of an asset, the, the market, uh, the, the news and summary around that and just the overall sentiment and all these things kind of just resonate with each other. And to me, what I'm seeing is a complete resonance between the narrative behind Bitcoin, uh, the news behind Bitcoin and uh, the fundamentals behind Bitcoin. All these things really seem to be resonating and that's why we're going up into the right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what I've been thinking about, right? So on, on, on County Takes is uh, maybe dovetails with what you're saying. I totally uh, get what you're saying with Bitcoin and that is super bullish on the space and on Bitcoin, particularly in the short term. But I want to give maybe a, a, a spicy take here and people who you know, know um, <laughs> I guess my Twitter account too, uh, this shouldn't come as a surprise. But I think that Bitcoin is really preparing the way for Ethereum and specifically Ether, the assets that we talked about earlier, second place in uh, settlement fees. That's now, that's now Bitcoin. It's already second place in transaction fees. That means Ethereum is, is doing more in transaction fees than Bitcoin. 
Um, and it's second place now in a transaction volume as well. So like there's a trend here, second place, second place, second place, second place. But Bitcoin is far and away first place in market cap. I don't think that'll last long-term. And when I say long-term, I'm not saying, hey, David, flipping is imminent, right? It's happening 12 months, you know, 24 right. months. I'm not sure the time range on this. I think it'll take ETH2 to ship. I think it'll take... Um, realization as to what Ethereum's monetary policy actually is and realization of ETH, the asset. But my spicy take here is that um, Bitcoin is doing awesome and I'm super excited about Bitcoin, but it's really just like a prophet preparing the way for the Messiah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really preparing the way for, for Ether. Um, I guess another take you know, like, like that that uh, is, is sort of a, uh, a side quest on that is I, I hear so much misinformation uh, from Bitcoiners and like not understanding what I would say is like the rest of crypto. Mm. So even this term that is constantly used, that's sort of embedded in crypto psyche, this term of altcoin, right? So there's mm -hmm. Bitcoin and then there's altcoins, implying there's like Bitcoin and the shitcoins. Um, but like, I don't think there's any such thing as an altcoin. That was like a yeah. paradigm from 2015 yeah. that I feel like is no longer relevant. What we have now are asset superclasses, like at, just like as traditional finance, yes. as we've known, as we've talked about for hundreds, of years. for hundreds of years. And those asset superclasses in crypto are capital assets, we have crypto mm -hmm. capital assets, crypto commodities, crypto monies. These are not altcoins. Right. These are entirely different than altcoins. It's like saying like Apple stock is an altcoin of US dollars. <laughs> like it's an altcoin of gold. No, yeah. it's a stock. It's a capital asset. You're right. comparing a money to a capital asset. It's just such a backward way of thinking. Mm -hmm. And I feel like those with the wrong paradigm and wrong mentality are going to get left behind right. in the next bull cycle. Yeah, That's the, my the, spicy take. That, that is a spicy take. And the altcoin uh, perspective was extremely appropriate when Bitcoin was getting forked with like menial changes, like change up the block speed and like, sure, yep. that's, that's an alt. Litecoin, that, yeah, that's exactly. an alt. Light, Litecoin, like Bitcoin, like diamond, whatever, that's an alt. <laughs> uh, if, it's, if it's an alternative to Bitcoin, yes. But Ethereum and tokens on Ethereum are not alternatives to Bitcoin. So kind of going back to what you were saying about, uh, you know, second place in transaction fees, Bitcoin second place in transaction volume, Bitcoin second place in settlement value. It is worthwhile to note that like the whole point about Bitcoin though is being first place in market cap. That That's is, true. That is its job, which it That's is true. currently in first place. Uh, and I think it is, it's going to, it's going to be a story for the ages, whether or not Ethereum as the leader in all the other categories, literally every other category other than market cap, does that mean that if the Ether becomes number one in market cap or does Bitcoin fulfill its job as it, all it needs to do is be number one in market cap? It's going Bitcoin to be a wins, fun story like, to win. Yeah, if Bitcoin wins that two-horse race, it'll be because of the strength of its scarcity meme. We will, we will uh, be sure. Um, to be clear, we are bullish on both of these assets. David, let's get to the last portion. Mm -hmm. What are you excited about, man? So third week of October, mm -hmm. year of our Lord, 2020. <laughs> what is exciting crypto right now? Well, we just came out of the AMA with Danny Ryan, where we got some of the questions about ETH2 that we really wanted to, to hear about out of the way. Go listen to that AMA. It was fantastic. But it just made me really excited about the deposit contract. Every time I pull up Twitter and I hit refresh, I'm like, is it here? Like, This is the staking contract, right? Same day. Yes. 
Same, same diff. Yeah, this is where phase one goes live. This is where ETH staking is a thing, where staking becomes one of the core pillars of Ether value accrual. Uh, and every time I, I check my, 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 my email, my Twitter, whatever, I'm like, I'm waiting for that announcement, like deposit contract announced. Uh, and All right, what, what's your gut? Like given we talked to Danny this week, who's like, mm -hmm. he knows, mm -hmm. right, more than anybody. Um, mm -hmm. and Vitalik this week. What's your gut mm -hmm. on when staking contract ships will be able to stake ETH? I'm, I'm going to be very specific, and I'm going to say a week from Monday. A week from Monday? Wait, a what week? date is that? That is uh, going to be November 2nd. You think November 2nd? Announced. and It'll be announced. Announced. Okay, announced. perfect. The, perfect. Day, the day will be announced on November 2nd. And you think the actual like date that it happens still this November. year, November, December? It'll be in November, yeah. Okay, I'm going to guess before Christmas, early December is my guess. God, it's so Both bearish. pretty bullish guesses. <laughs> You're well, the bearish bearish. One. <laughs> Two weeks different. <laughs> I guess I'm the bear now. <laughs> ETH2 will never ship. <laughs> not until Christmas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Christmas 2020, to be clear, not 2021, yeah. guys. Oh, All right, man. cool. Well, all right, so here's, here's kind of what I'm excited about, and maybe this dovetails with another sort of Ethereum thing, but what I started seeing this week for the first time is projects launching directly, not on Ethereum mainnet, but on Ethereum layer two. Like, so generally through, throughout the history of Ethereum, the place you, you launch a DeFi project or some new initiative is definitely going to be main chain, right? That's where you launch. Mm -hmm. um, but we saw three different projects this week launch on XDAI, which is actually like a, uh, a side chain of Ethereum. So it's proof of authority. So it's not quite an optimistic roll up. We don't, it's not based on the security of Ethereum altogether, but it's similar. It runs the EVM. It's like a copy of mainnet. And we saw HoneySwap launch there. So if you haven't heard of HoneySwap, um, I barely heard of it either, but it is a <laughs> Uniswap clone, right? So they just launched a Uniswap. They forked a Uniswap and they put it on XDAI and it's a new project that's launching, not on mainnet, but on the side chain. Circle UBI, the project we were talking about earlier, David, mm -hmm. that launched directly on XDAI. Um, also the POAP, the POP tokens, these are the bankless, uh, bankless uses this as well. Um, now when you mint a POAP, that's an NFT token, you mint that on XDAI and then you can bridge it over to mainnet. I think this is the future of scalability for Ethereum. If you don't need mainnet, you just launch on a layer two. That's mm -hmm. some sort of a rollup. That's some sort of a, an XDAI-like um, sidechain. And then to the extent you need layer two, or if it gets popular, or if you're a user and you want to migrate to back to the main chain, you can at any time. So that to me is how Ethereum scales, and that's kind of bullish. And it, and it goes off maybe what we were talking about in the podcast with uh, Vitalik in, in terms of how Ethereum is going to take shape in the future. There's going to be a main chain and there's going to be all of these layer twos where mm -hmm. you, might, you might not touch main chain, right? right. For like months or years. Mm -hmm. You might do all of your activity in a, in a roll-up, a few roll-ups right. maybe in the future. So excited about that. It's coming to fruition. Feels like Ethereum has a scalability strategy that is not just pie in the sky. It's actually starting to happen. Yeah, Anthony Cezano uh, illustrates it as a Ethereum as a nexus, right? Where it's just like traffic controlling, you know, value from different uh, rollups, right? Uh, and you know, this is part of Ethereum's value proposition. Where Ethereum, you like people don't even know need to know what Ethereum is or understand it as a protocol. 
in the same ways that we don't really need to know what TCP IP or SMS or those protocols, like we just use them, right? And they're just in the background. And, you know, Ethereum being the L1 and uh, L2s being the place that people actually engage in, uh, you have activity in, is just high putting Ethereum in the background and letting it do its job. Absolutely. Very cool. David, we kept our commitment. This is about 25 minutes. We got through five topics, uh, five minutes each. We talked about market. We talked about releases, news, some hot takes, and what we're excited about. Guys, hope you enjoyed this episode. Hopefully, it was a good end to your week. Uh, from David and Ryan, enjoy your weekend. And thanks a lot for joining us.